watch YouTube, mine do. And I and I admit it's my fault. When my oldest daughter was two, two and a half years old, I set myself up for failure here. And I can remember the first time I did it, I put my phone in her hands and I, you know, just type in little kid videos, put it there. And the next thing you know, she's got little kid videos and she's watching it and she's occupied. And, you know, for a while it was great. You know, we've got, uh, she doesn't know how to change videos or anything like that. So I can just put the phone in front of her and she's, you know, quiet for a few minutes and everything was fine and good until one time I had her watching my phone and I turned my back for a few minutes. And all of a sudden I hear Tupac hit him up coming from my cell phone. So, of course, I made a mad dash back to her and took the phone, typed back in little kid videos, set the algorithm up again, get the feed of, of little kid videos coming again. And I now know that that was a huge mistake because my kids want to watch YouTube incessantly. And I don't understand with everything else that's out there why they gravitate toward YouTube where it's all you know, amateur produced content by people who don't know anything about child psychology, but yet somehow uh, they manage to make millions of dollars a year producing YouTube videos that otherwise I don't know that a lot of people would have an interest in watching. But when the algorithms are in control and they continue to feed videos to a viewer and the viewer continues to watch those videos without shutting down YouTube and getting out of it, it kind of reinforces the algorithm. And next thing you know, you know, two or three hours have gone by and all you've watched was unboxing videos. I mean, we've all gone down those rabbit holes, you know what I mean? And as adults, you know, there are a lot of ways to use YouTube to your benefit. I mean, there's a million and one instructional videos that will teach us, you know, how to make auto repairs, how to put together you know, large items that you buy in a store. You know, you buy the grill, it comes in the box. I, I When I put together my, my barbecue grill in my backyard, I would watch the YouTube video. I'd go sit down and read the instructions. At least I've seen it. Once I read the instructions, it makes sense to me. I've already seen it. And I put the whole thing together. And ironically, I found some things in the video that were not in the instructions, you know? So there are there is a benefit to YouTube. I'm not gonna I'm not going to completely say YouTube's a bad thing. But in the case of my kids, I have found that when they have unfettered access to YouTube for extended periods of time, it seems like their behavior kind of goes south. And I have found in my parenting experience that taking away YouTube uh, is one of the most effective forms of punishment that I've found for my kids. And I don't know why. I don't understand the science behind it. I'm not a child psychologist, but I will say that when my kids have access to YouTube, they're much more mouthy, much more disrespectful. They listen a lot less, and I find that I'm having a hard time with them. And then I get frustrated, and I take YouTube away for a week or two, and lo and behold, they're angels. And I know the conventional wisdom is, you know, they're trying to get YouTube back, but I mean, three or four days after YouTube is gone, they're not really even thinking about how do I get YouTube back anymore. It's kind of out of their mind. They're not even thinking about it. And that's when I realize that their behavior has improved significantly. So the most recent time that I decided to take away YouTube, I told the kids it wasn't coming back. And what happens the next day? No timeouts, no major behavioral problems. So I know I'm not smart enough to understand how YouTube works with a, with a, with a child's brain, but I know what my kids act like when they're watching it versus how they behave when they're not. And my kids are just much better behaved when they're not watching YouTube. And the worst part is, it's all my fault. My kids never would have known what YouTube was 
unless I chose to bring up the YouTube app on my phone and put it in front of my toddler and say, please entertain yourself while I make dinner. So I realize it's my fault, but the cat's out of the bag now, and I've got to figure out how to get my kids to maybe forget about YouTube. I don't know. It's a, it's, it really is a struggle in my house, but I have found that my kids behave very differently when they're not watching YouTube. So in my house, there's no more YouTube for right now. And the funny thing is, I took the last time I took it away, it was probably a month, maybe six weeks that I took it away. And I told the kids, you know what? You guys have been really good. I told you if you could be good for an extended period of time and you could demonstrate that behavior over several days, I would give it back to you. So I gave it back to me. I'm not kidding you. Within two or three days, they were back to acting like feral children. And the theory that I've come up with in my mind is that my kids watch YouTube and they see these kids behaving outlandishly and they're essentially acting in a video but my kids, I don't think my kids see it that way. And I think they see the way these kids are playing. JoJo Siwa's running around crazy doing whatever she wants to do. And I think my kids in their in their mind kind of say, well, I can go behave however I want to. And I try to explain to my kids, they're on camera, you know. And their parents are usually the ones behind the camera. And I try to explain to them, I go, I'll bet you that when they're done recording that, and the parent says, go wash your hands and get ready for dinner. I'll bet they go wash their hands and get ready for dinner. You know why? Because if they don't do that, the kids aren't going to make more YouTube videos. Or the parents are not going to allow the kids to make more YouTube videos. So they probably use it the same way I do. Unfortunately, in my case, we're not making millions of dollars because of YouTube videos. Uh, I am just suffering the ill effects that it's having on my kids. But YouTube has been removed from my home for the time being. As far as they know, it's indefinitely. Uh, and I have a much more harmonious household because of it. But the problem is I watch YouTube. I like, I like watching videos on YouTube. I've used YouTube, like I said, to make repairs to my vehicle, to put stuff together, all sorts of stuff. I mean, you know, anybody who's fallen down a YouTube wormhole knows exactly what I'm talking about. Well, with kids, though, it's different because their brains are different. And to help me get a better understanding and to perhaps share some strategies with you for how to get your kids off of YouTube and maybe outside to play, uh, I brought in Donna Volpita. She is the author of a book, The Resilience Formula, A Guide to Proactive, Not Reactive Parenting. She also wrote another book, NeuroWorld, A Guide to Teaching the Brain Science of Resilience, and she is the founder of Pathways to Empower. We launched Pathways to Empower to provide resources for people to understand the brain science of how to build resilience and foster mental health. We have programs to help people understand how they can proactively use challenges as opportunities to build resilience. And we have programs for parents, students, and educators at elementary, um, adolescent, and college levels. And you're also the author of a book, uh, and that is The Resilience Formula, Guide to Proactive, Not Reactive Parenting, something I struggle with every day. Talk to me a little bit about that book. So the book really outlines ways. First off, we give a lot of strategies. We um, define resilience as our response to any challenge, good, bad, big, or small. And we say that that response is guided by our understanding of four S's. 
self-situation supports and strategies. And in the book, we give parents strategies in order to help them look at those challenges and build up those four S's. So instead of handling challenges for our kids, we need to give them strategies in order to handle them on their own. Um, And so we talk about those tools and strategies, and then we also go through what we call the resilience formula, which is a way to um, have a plan in place when we're going to have kind of when we begin to have those moments that are really emotional, um, moments of conflict, so that parents can prepare for those moments and not have it become a moment of conflict, that we can get into a situation where we can use those opportunities to build resilience. You talk about tools and strategies. Uh, For the purposes of our podcast today, I uh, have used YouTube in the past as a tool to try and uh, occupy my kids or at least keep them busy or quiet. Uh, Talk to me about how kids can just get focused in on this stuff and, and how they're able to, even a kid with ADHD, how they're able to just, you know, spend hours uh, going down various YouTube wormholes. Well, it's funny because YouTube and, and much like a lot of the other um, social media um, and gaming, um, gaming things that people use, the screens, what happens is they have neuroscientists that sort of help them to understand how the brains work. So they have ways to get us engaged and keep us engaged. And interestingly, if you look at YouTube, they really um, present information in a way that is incredibly brain friendly. Things are, you know, it's engaging because very often the, the videos are short Um, And they have a lot of change in camera angles and change in the way that things are presented. It's very visual and it, it then moves on to something, the next step. So it really works with the way that our brains like to get information. Um, Anybody who's been on Zoom and done Zoom meetings where it's just somebody talking to you for half an hour, our brains don't, don't respond to that. It needs that sort of novel change in um, different aspects. And YouTubers are great at that. Now, is that the autoplay function that you can turn off or on in YouTube? Because I found that, you know, when one two, when one video ends, it'll just kind of load up another one that kind of fits in the same uh, parameters of that video. Of course, you know, think about they've got algorithms that determine all of this stuff. But is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, it's great because they, they give you recommendations. And it's funny because our we have two parts of the brain. We have a lim- the limbic system and we have the cortex. Our brains don't respond in terms of good and bad. Our brains are actually designed to respond in long-term versus short-term. And the limbic system is that emotional brain. And so when we get to the end, our brain liked that last video, and now it's going to give us recommendations for something else that we'll probably like. So it tags into that limbic system, that emotional brain that's looking for the here and now. That emotional brain doesn't care that you really should be studying right now or you should be going on. It just looks at that and says, oh, yeah, let's do that now. Um, It's that immediate gratification. And the way that YouTube feeds it and feeds those suggestions and has, you know, that that almost headline grabber that grabs your attention, it grabs that limbic system and says, hey, watch me now. And so it feeds into that um, that idea of 
it's almost like when we want another cookie, right? The cookie is for the limbic system too. It's like, oh, that's a, that looks good, so we go for it. Um, and YouTube is designed that way. So is well, Netflix. So is it, you know, <laughs> here we'll recommend this for you. You don't have to. It doesn't take any work. We'll just give it to you. And and while there are some some absolute benefits to YouTube, and there are ways that YouTube can certainly make your life a little easier, i.e. instructional videos to show you how to make auto repairs or, or that sort of thing. Uh, you know, there are also some perils to all this. What are some of the things that uh, we as parents should watch out for when our kids are consuming all of this stuff? I think it's important to understand who are their favorite YouTubers. They follow channels and then they get recommendations for other channels. It's the way a lot of this stuff works now. And what happens is that feeds the interests that we already have, um, and it feeds the, the mindset that we already have. So we have to begin to talk to our kids about, hey, tell me about your favorite YouTubers. Let's watch some of them together. What is the content that they're likely to be fed? So you may have, um, and a lot of kids, right now are watching YouTubers that are really content driven, are, are informational. Um, so there's YouTubes called uh, Crash Course that's all about different information. And a lot of kids are using that to supplement their education, to learn about the stuff that they're not learning in school. There's also YouTubers like Mark Rober. He's a NASA scientist that teaches science, does science videos. They're crazy, but they're really fun. Um, and he makes that information so engaging. So if you're watching those, and I think he's one of the most watched YouTubers. So they'll get more feeding into science videos. Um, so talking about who are you watching? Who are your favorite, you know, having conversations. Who are your favorite five YouTubers? And going on and looking at that content because they're likely to be fed very similar content. And then asking them why. What is it about that video that you like? What is it about that video that is engaging to you? What, um, so understanding their use. How do you feel after you watch that video? So that they can begin to self-monitor and, and think about making those decisions for themselves about how did you behave afterwards? How did it make you feel afterwards? Um, and having those conversations so that they can begin to build up those critical thinking skills, because they're going to eventually have to make these decisions themselves. And educational content is one thing, and obviously that's you know a, 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 an absolute benefit of YouTube. But my kids spend a lot of time just watching unboxing videos where. Uh, you know, it's it's a woman's voice, and it looks like the same lady is making all these videos. But she basically just, you know, opens up the toy and pretends to play with the toy. And she's like, oh, and here's the, you know, here's the little jacket that goes on the on the doll, and, and we take the doll and we put the jacket on. And she, for 15 minutes, all she did was open up an LOL surprise doll. Yes, and there's plenty of content that is like that. There, you know, people just, um, you know, meeting different challenges that people set send in that are ridiculous. There are, there are some challenges and, and talking to kids about why do you like that? And maybe even making some other suggestions of YouTubes that might be more engaging to them. They are likely to um, be drawn to the things that their friends are talking about. And there is 
a benefit to that, right? To be able to have those social conversations and, and you want them to understand what that is, but talking to them about how much they're engaging with that, why are they engaging with that, and beginning to say, you know, there are other engaging YouTubers that might, you know, what's something that you're interested in and sort of guiding them in the decisions that they're making and talking about how much, Um, you know, maybe you watch a few of those, but then why don't you think about having some of your content be these other videos? And there are a lot of great ones. Well, and one of the things that I can't seem to wrap my head around, and of course, you know, our kids are able to watch television in a, in a much different way than, than you or I did growing up. I mean, when I was a kid, you had basically, you know, you had Nickelodeon during the day, you had the Disney Channel, you had the after-school cartoons, and you had Saturday morning cartoons. And that was really it as far as child-geared uh, content. But now we've got Disney+, Plus, we've got uh, Netflix, we've got Amazon Prime, we've got YouTube TV, which is essentially cable. But what I don't understand is why my kids pass up on all of those various forms of professionally produced content by people who know what they're doing, and instead they watch this family vlogging about their trip to the mall. It it is interesting, isn't it? But they do not get paid unless they make content that is engaging to that age group. Oh, and that's what blows my mind is when you look at these folks' pages, they've got, you know, four and five million subscribers. Yes. Um, I know that my kids went through a stage where they were really interested in the, um, you know, the squishies and the the um, just um, sort of the um, slime videos and just watching. Oh my the God! So DIY many videos, slime. so many videos of just making slime, just yes. making slime. And people earned a lot of money for that, but it was what was engaging to the kids to watch that. And it was feeding a need that they had. Um, and a lot of kids were then making slime and they were learning new ways to do it. And it was kind of their DIY. Um, and they like that. They're engaged with learning new things. And even if that's just slime, it's, it's something that was feeding into that limbic system and feeds into that momentary, you know, pleasure, sense of pleasure. They liked to see it. I just don't understand how to get, you know, when I was a kid and, and, you know, there wasn't, there weren't cartoons on TV. My mom would always put on a nature documentary and I grew up watching nature documentaries. And as a consequence, you know, you, you kind of develop an interest in that sort of thing. I just, uh, for me as a parent, and I realize this is all my fault. I'm the one who put my phone in my kid's hands at two and a half years old and said, here, look at YouTube. So I realized that I that I set myself up for this, but now I'm trying to kind of deprogram my kids and just kind of open them up to, you know, what else is out there. But, you know, they just keep going to the same YouTube videos. It's kind of a struggle for me. How do we as parents uh, kind of get our kids away from the mindless uh, content that's on YouTube and steer them more towards some things that may actually lead them to pursue the STEM fields or or may actually help them in their particular studies? How do we how do we get our kids to watch uh, I don't want to say better content, but just maybe more beneficial content. So I think it's all about balance. And one of the things that we say a lot is it's about making balanced choices. Life isn't about always eating the salad. Sometimes you want a brownie. Um, same thing with video content, that sometimes we want kind of that brain candy, that limbic, limbic system where you're just like, I don't have to think, that's okay. And, you know, I think back to, 
I, when I was uh, in my doctoral program, I always, I subscribed to People Magazine because it was a brain break. It was, it, I didn't have to think. Um, it was engaging in a, in a non, non-academic way, which was very nice. And I think having that, that um, balance between the, the different types of videos. So maybe setting limits as parents and saying, look, who are your favorite YouTube videos and, and talking to them. And one of the things is they really appreciate when, when we're interested in watching with them and trying to understand and saying, okay, so you really like this one. We can, let's figure out a reasonable limit for how many of those you're going to be able to, to see. And then you need to, they need to develop the ability to turn that off after a certain amount of time. That's one of the things that that self-regulation of, okay, let's let's have a balance and talking to them about, you know, I'm not going to let you always have brownies. So I'm not going to let you always watch these videos. Let's begin to talk about interests and see whether together we can find some other videos that might be feeding into things that you really enjoy or to to help you discover new interests. And we'll talk about those. And so once they begin to see those, that may also um set the YouTube to, to give them suggestions for other ones. So it's about balance, letting them have some of their, their videos that you don't necessarily understand why they loved that. But just like your mom let you watch some cartoons and some nature videos, and that sparks your interest in the nature videos, we can make those balance, help them make those balanced choices. And isn't balance the key to life? I feel like it is with most things. It's all about balance. So don't feel bad about letting your kids watch YouTube. I feel a lot better about letting my kids watch YouTube, but let's try not to let them spend hours upon hours watching mindless unboxing videos and TikTok videos and things like that. And as Donna said, you know, we as parents really need to pay close attention to what they're watching and not just monitor it, but get involved. Ask them why they're watching it. What do you like about it? That sort of thing. So I'm going to start doing that. Uh, I kind of already do that. I do watch a lot of what they watch. I don't understand it. I don't enjoy it. But, uh, I, you know, it's on in the kids' playroom and I'm in the kitchen. I can see the TV. So I, I, I want to say that I monitor what they watch and I'm relatively familiar with the channels that they're subscribed to. But I'm really going to challenge myself to... Uh, gain a better understanding of why they watch these videos and hopefully I can, you know, uh, either enjoy it with them or, or get them onto something that is actually going to benefit them a little bit more than watching some lady unbox toys and play with dolls. 